faithwire.com. A pastor preaches the gospel to his captors and pays the ultimate price for doing so. Today is Wednesday, December 5th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. I want to welcome in regular listeners to the CBN News Daily Rundown. We are here every Wednesday with y'all. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them. All from a Christian perspective, that's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes. Give us a subscribe over there. We'd love to have you with us. With me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire, who covered for me yesterday while I was gone at Sight and Sound. Phenomenal place. But uh, guys, what's going on? Happy Wednesday. It's nice to have you back. Yes. It is. Yes. Did you, Dan, did you say that it's December 5th? I think you might have said it's Did the I say 5th. it's the 5th? Uh, well, it's the 15th, which we I should know because closer to Christmas it's my that. wife's birthday. Yes. So I didn't mean to say the 5th. I meant to say, I'm looking at the date right in front of my face. So I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure why my brain misfired. Just, so well, you're still no, in sound time. Apparently. It's possible. But it's so, my wife's yeah. birthday. So I should know this day. So oh, happy birthday yeah. to Dan's wife. Yes, indeed. So, all right. What do you guys, what do you guys <laughs> got coming up? Yeah. So I'm also going to be talking about something that's really important, but it's actually really cool to hear a pop singer Billie Eilish mm. she's condemning pornography and talking about really just how destructive it is so we'll get into the details of that because I it's really important yeah. it's really great to hear a celebrity comments. with such a big platform yeah speaking out against it yeah and I'm going to be talking about prayer prayer specifically in public schools and South Dakota Governor Christy Nome is actually making some big moves to actually restore prayer in schools all right looking forward to that we're going to start here with story number one, a pastor who was kidnapped by Fulani herdsmen last month in northern Nigeria has reportedly been tragically killed by his captor. So here are the details. It's Reverend uh, Dauda Batur. So the gunman abducted the Reverend on November 8th while he was still working on his farm. His wife was also kidnapped by the herdsmen when she delivered a ransom payment after 10 days after her husband's abduction, she was eventually released on December 6th. But then they just got informed, the leaders of the church were informed that he was killed last week. And they said on Thursday, December 9th, the pastor's captors called his church leaders and informed them that they had killed the pastor since they could not bring more money. So they'd brought some, then wanted more. And then because they didn't get it, they ended up killing him. And so horrible news there. But the... the reason why this one you know is worth focusing on uh, and here's number two here is that the reverend he preached the gospel to the herdsmen and prayed for their repentance which might be the reason why they were angered and possibly provoked to kill him even though they were getting some ransom money from him uh, from the group so um, very powerful witness there that that he was in the midst of that still willing to uh, preach the gospel and so of course um, be praying for their family and their church congregation over there. Um, you know, Christians over there dealing with a lot. Obviously, Fulani herdsmen, they um, are a militia, often radical Muslims, and they relentlessly target Christians and villages across the Western African countries. So, um, and they're trying to get people to convert to Islam, and, you know, they put a lot of pressure on them. So, obviously, a lot of conflict there with Christians, and it's sort of like the Wild West. They kind of run roughshod over there, and there's not a lot of policing to be spoken of so um the christian persecution there is just 
it's stuff that we can't really fathom here in America at, at times and, and when you read stories like this. So, uh, but nevertheless, you know, God bless this pastor for um, preaching the gospel in spite of what he probably knew was going to happen. So that's for me, that's number three. That's why it matters is, uh, you know, anytime we see a, a brother or sister in Christ do something like that for the kingdom in the midst of a persecution, when they know the likely cost, you know, it's always something that uh, we can, you know, we can take as Christians and, and um, be thankful for that. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I just think through all the things that we complain about here in America, right? Like, oh, my Starbucks is too cold and oh, they did, you know, all these things that we are so consumed with. And, you know, even with our faith, we often talk about persecution, not to downgrade the fact that there are issues in this country that do exist. And those are things we need to talk about, but real persecution, what Christians face in other places around the world, this is a story that reminds us of that. And I always try to put myself in that position of, what would I do? Right. You know, Mm. if I'm in that, if I'm in that moment and, you know, all the way to the end, sharing the gospel, even when you know it could mean your life. And in this case, it very well may have, that is just something that I think a lot of us in America can relate to or understand. And that's why, that's why these stories are so important for us to tell. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And it's easy just to piggyback off of that, Billy, to live in a in a bubble, uh, in the, with this Western bubble where we do think about these things that are really minimal. They're not really of any sort of consequence, but they kind of weigh us down. So it's good to hear these stories uh, because they put into perspective the blessings that we have in the Western world and the, you know, the things that we have available to us. But it also just reminds us that the church Uh, the body of Christ is global. It's universal. So all of us are part of the same body. So whenever one of us is hurting, all of us is hurting. And uh, I've also heard from persecuted Christians who said that they've learned to rejoice when they see believers in the West or elsewhere around the world who are thriving and are are free. And they say, we rejoice with you. We're excited for you. We're not jealous of you. We're we're glad to see that a part of the body is flourishing uh, in that way. Uh, But either way, you know, regardless of whether there's persecution or not, the truth of the matter is that the gospel still flourishes uh, and that's something that worth celebrating yeah yeah absolutely well said so all right story number two so pop singer billy eilish is condemning pornography as really a scourge on society uh, she's 19 years old uh, and she said during a recent interview with howard stern which there's some irony there uh, <laughs> Just a we, little bit <laughs> yeah, we, we don't necessarily have time to get into, no, into yeah. all of that. If you if you don't know who Howard Stern is, look him up at your own risk because there's yeah. Anyway, that, that makes so, me feel that makes me feel really old. By the way, Trey, if you don't know who Howard Stern is, I, I was just gonna say yeah. I mean, I mean, there was a time where who don't yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time where he was basically he was the radio, the guy. radio guy that ever. I mean, this is before Sirius XM, all that. So anyway, I digress. Continue. So. So she has some new music out and she was talking about it uh, with him. And she said uh, specifically about pornography. She said, as a woman, I think porn is a disgrace. And even said, I used to watch a lot of porn. Uh, She said she started to watch pornography at just 11 years old. Mm. And she said, I didn't understand then why it was a bad thing. I thought that was how you learn how to have sex. 
Uh, and there's a lot of truth to what she's saying. Uh, that, you know, she's not the only one who feels that way. A 2020 survey found that roughly 45% of teenagers watch pornography, and they said that at least in part, they do it to learn about sexuality uh, and how to engage the opposite sex. Uh, so unfortunately, she's not really alone in her experience. Uh, she went on to say that there are so many ways that pornography has harmed her. She said, I think it really destroyed my brain and I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. I think that I have had sleep paralysis, almost like night terrors, nightmares, she said. I think that's how they started. I would just watch abusive pornography and that's what I thought was attractive and to the point where I couldn't watch anything unless it was violent and I didn't think it was attractive. Now, a great deal of pornography is violent, uh, but even still, uh, more than half of boys, 53%, and over a third of girls, 39%, reported that believing pornography realistically depicted sex. Uh, so she also said, uh, the first few times I had sex, I was not saying no to things that I, you know, that were not good that I should have said no to. She said it was because I thought that's supposed to be attracted to. I'm so angry that porn is so loved. And I think it's a really key thing that she said. She's angry that porn is so loved and I'm afraid and I'm so angry at myself for thinking that it was okay. And she's right about it being loved by society. And this is point number two here. In 2019 alone, people consumed the equivalent. And this, I've seen this statistic before, guys, but it just blows my mind every time I've, I've seen it. Uh, they watched the equivalent of nearly 6,650 centuries worth of pornography Jeez. on just the largest pornography website in, in the world, uh, which has also been by the way, credibly accused of hosting child sexual abuse material or child pornography. But in 2019 alone, uh, 6,650 centuries worth of pornography was, was watched. Um, so it's, there's, there's no doubt that this is a serious issue. And something she said at the end of their conversation, uh, she said that it's just not realistic. There is no way in which you can think as someone who consumed it uh, and, and now someone who's on the other side of, of really an addiction to pornography. She said she's watched so much, so much stuff on the Internet and none of it is realistic. She said women's bodies do not look like that and we don't enjoy the things that it looks like we're enjoying. Uh, talking about the violent depictions and the way that women are objectified and treated in pornography. She said it's just not realistic. And this is something, too, that's interesting. A lot of it is tied uh, to her song or a lot of this conversation was tied to her song male fantasy where she actually opens up in the very first line uh, about her own struggles with pornography and you can watch the music video for that on faithwire.com so as far as why it matters uh, you know i think it's obvious why it matters this is an issue we've talked about billy and dan so many times uh, and it's an issue that we need to keep talking about uh, because it's something that is going to continue to be an issue this is the the way that people kids at younger and younger ages are being exposed to pornography. I think statistically 11 or 12 years old is the average age nowadays that people first encounter pornography. Uh, and, and so often it seems that it's not really, and this is just unfortunate. It seems that it's not an if, but a when uh, kids are going to be confronted with pornography. So we need to be having these conversations with younger generations because it does teach them 
wrong-headed ideas about the way God intended us to have sex, the way he intended us to look at our brothers and sisters in Christ as image bearers. This is just an important conversation. I'm glad to see, I know Eilish is not a Christian, but I'm glad to see her speaking up about the the harms of pornography, because whether you're a Christian or not, there's no uh, no doubt that it that it's destructive to everybody who consumes it. Yeah, and um, it's interesting to see uh, her bring this out and, and actually say it. And I think this is one of those things that you could actually say is a brave stance these days because you mm-hmm. have you have the one hand here of culture saying that sex work should be celebrated. And, you know, this is definitely countercultural today, um, especially not coming from a Christian. I think people would expect Christians to be against pornography. But when you have somebody in the entertainment industry... And they're speaking out about it and talking about all the negative consequences of it. I think it really says something. And so you need more of these voices. I, th- I just saw another article today pop up um, somewhere. And it was one of the, I don't know her last name, but Holly, one of these people that was one of Hugh Hefner's bunnies mm-hmm. or something like that. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> and she was talking about, and, and again, it's like you wonder how people don't see it. She's talking about how, awful she felt after she hooked up and slept with Hugh Hefner on the first night that she went back there and then ended up just saying, well, I wanted to get famous and, and, and whatever. And so she just said, I'll just go for it and I'll just see if I'll move in. And, but she didn't like the feeling of everyone knowing what had happened. And, and you kind of think, well, there's more to it than just other people knowing it's, it's because you don't want them to know what you did because well, you know what you did uh, is wrong. And so um, it, it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see that. And and again, the objectifying of women, these things that we know inherently inside of us that are wrong. You look at the picture that was in the article and it was this Holly girl as, dressed up as a bunny next to this yeah. old man. And you're thinking he's got these women dressed scantily as bunnies. So blatantly objects of physical you know, that's the only thing they care about is the physical, right? And it's just this bunny that follows the man around. You know, it's it's so absurd. And Hollywood celebrated this guy and his Playboy mansion for how many decades? But see, and- that's the thing. That that's the thing you just said. Hollywood, Billie Eilish is is in this industry, yeah. right? So yeah. So Hollywood has primed all of us. I mean, look at the reason. Go back to Gallup. Go back to the year two thousand and look at the Gallup poll on all different issues of morality. Right? You know, is divorce moral? Is sex before marriage moral? Is it moral to have a baby out of wedlock? You look at the stats then from 2000 until now, and it is horrifying what changed. Mm. Hollywood is what changed, what they have presented to us, what we have been willing to accept, including, and this started decades before 2000, Hugh Hefner, right? But we've all been primed. They do the same thing with marijuana and drugs, right? Everybody is primed by watching these things to think that these things are normal and good. So why would porn not follow in that line Mm -hmm. as something that we are going to think, oh, this is just normal. Everybody does it. Uh, Well, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that it's good or normal. And to your points, the fact that she's standing up and talking about that is amazing. We need more people yeah. in Hollywood and entertainment to do that. But we also have to go deeper than just looking at the porn issue. This is a Hollywood issue as well. Mm. Yeah. And something, too, that I want to add that's just an interesting added layer to this story is that for years, somebody, some of y'all might remember that who are listening, that Billie Eilish first became famous at 15 or 16 years old. And for the first few years of her fame, she wore all really baggy clothes. 
and she was asked why she does that. Uh, and she said it's because she doesn't want her body to be objectified uh, as a woman. She didn't, and I mean, as, as a 16 year old, uh, and she was doing that. So she's kind of an enigma in Hollywood. And I think they're still trying to figure out what to do with her. But yeah, I completely echo both of y'all and how brave she is for taking a stand on this issue. Yeah. All right. Well, I hate to move on from Billie Eilish, but I think we're going to have to. Uh, and we're going to have to talk about prayer here, which is something I love to talk about. But what's going on in South Dakota, very interesting. Governor Kristi Noem, she's making a big move to restore protections for prayer in public schools. Now, this is something that's going to make the antennas of atheists and agnostics and other um, activists really go pretty crazy. Because what's happening here is um, she has announced that her administration has put together a proposed legislation, a bill that would create an opportunity for kids to pray in schools at the start of every day. Now, this is an interesting proposal for a number of reasons. Critics are going to immediately say, well, wait a minute, why is she pushing prayer in schools? Prayer is not allowed in schools. And we could have a whole discussion about the impact that that has had removing God from schools in our culture. Um, but, but, that is the, the rule of law, right? Prayer is technically not something that could happen, at least um, at the hands of teachers being, you know, leading it in schools. But what she's doing here is creating a moment of silence. And this is really creative and really intriguing. We're seeing other states try to do this as well. Um, so every day, public schools would be required to give up to one minute of silence for students to basically do whatever they want to do. And here's what she had to say about this. She said, quote, every student deserves the opportunity to begin their day with a calm, silent moment. I hope students will take this opportunity to say a quick prayer or reflect on their upcoming day. However they choose to take advantage of this time, it will be beneficial to students and teachers alike. And so they're making this about a moment of silence. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or a Christian or Muslim. Whatever you believe, you have up to a minute to do whatever you want to do during that time. If you don't believe anything, you can just, you know, think about angels and butterflies or whatever mythical creatures you want to think of. You don't have to pray, but she's hoping people do. And so it's really intriguing. We have no idea what will happen with this. The legislative session starts January 11th. But if you'll recall, Noam was also successful back in 2019 in getting In God We Trust to be displayed in all public schools in the state. So this has been something she has promised she would do. I think the intrigue here, you know, we've we've talked a lot about this, and, and Trey, you and I talked yesterday about the abortion law in Texas, you know, these different ways that yeah. people try to get creative with the law. You know, why this matters is that she is trying to bring prayer back in a way that actually doesn't alienate people, and it just gives you a moment to do whatever you want to do with it. And, you know, I, I would also point out that this bill specifically says that no school employee can dictate anything during this time and that no student can interfere with another student's engagement in that moment of silence and that it is not an invite for a religious event at the hands of school. So, th so they're addressing all the things atheists would be upset about in this. That's interesting. And um, it'll be interesting to see the response to this for sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm bracing myself for impact here. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it is sad in a way, though, that we have to even to me, it shows kind of almost the folly of this, the system, right? Where we have to talk about all these, you know, make sure we have all these protections in place just to say certain things and do certain things at school. Um, yeah. It's like this place where that's become this, this sanctuary, this secularist 
sanctuary where we've got to deeply control everything that happens to where the governor has to make sure that you can say a prayer without getting shot down. It's kind of madness, but maybe I'm just cynical at this point. I think maybe I th- you're a homeschool parent. You can have a right to be. That's right. Yeah. I think the nice thing though about this or the the positive spin on this is like, okay, look, Christina said, I I'll play by your rules. Like I I will play this right, game right. by your rules. And then you know this moment of silence, and and any student can use it however they see fit. And then when nothing ha- happens. Uh, she can fall back on. I don't know why you're so outraged by this. Nothing. Can you point to anything bad that's happened from students being allowed to pray for a minute in their like to themselves? Like I don't. <laughs> right. You know. So so I think there there's an opportunity for maybe people who are not hostile. Like obviously there's the the two far sides. They're they're going to dig in their heels on the right and left, and they're not going to budge. But I think the the people in the middle, uh, and then also just the reasonable parents on on either side of the political aisle can say this actually seems like it's a good thing. Uh, and maybe it'll be an opportunity for uh, for parents to, who, who have been uh, either disillusioned with public schools or have had issues with public schools for valid reasons. I can, can see this as maybe a win. I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, you know, I think well, we've got tons of data showing us the benefits of prayer and church. I mean, we just we just did yeah. a story about, mm-hmm. you know, mental health. The people who have the best mental health in the country are the ones who are going to church every week. So I don't understand. I mean, I do understand it. I think we talk in facts a lot of times. This is a factual thing, but it's also a spiritual battle. And it's something that is has been fought in our public schools for a long time. I guess my question to the critics to kind of close out on this is what you know, what evidence do you have that removing prayer and God from schools has benefited us in ever, in any way? I mean, draw a graph on any issue and it's a crisis since we've done that. So um, congr- congrats, I guess. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't understand what argument or leg these people are standing on. Yeah. I, I, it ends up being to me, just, it boils down to, and, and I know they balk at this, but it, they treat secularism as the state religion. And you just have yeah. to, you have to abide by this and we can't have anything else. Or else it's automatically means it, it's this bizarre thing that we've come to where just saying something equals government endorsement of or establishing of. It's all it's all ridiculous to me that you, because that just ban that kind of, you know, hinders people from talking about a whole host of things that would be the kids would be better off if they were free to discuss things. I mean, you want to raise this diverse and tolerant and equitable society. Well, if you're sitting there making kids have to walk on eggshells, worried about what they can say and can't say, it's to me it seems that that goes against that goal. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know, just... Dan. I, I I don't even think it's like things you say and can't, and can't say. Like just thinking things, right. or creating right. space for things right. is a problem. Like right. uh, there are going to be people who disagree with Christina for this. And just yesterday, we have a story up on faithfire.com uh, about a group angry that there are Christmas wreaths being laid on. <laughs> On tombstones, oh because that's, you know, that's uh, a, a Christian gang sign, I think is yeah. what, it was, what it was called. So it's, it, it just, the, anybody who's, who's in one of those, like I said, the, the hyper partisan camp on either side, uh, they're going to find issue with, with anything and everything yeah. uh, all the time. And meanwhile, we've got a, a, ha- a big chunk of the country here in the Midwest who's just been flattened by one of the craziest tornadoes of all time mm-hmm. or series yeah. of tornadoes. And we've got people then now worried about, you know, well, we don't want that prayer out there. 
Um, but <laughs> that dangerous prayer, <laughs> that dangerous prayer. And like, you know, to your point, Billy, about worrying about silly things so often uh, that you brought up earlier, like that our Starbucks is cold, you know, that you miss the bigger things. That's a big complaint for me. I'm not <laughs> First world problems. But <laughs> yeah, if I've spent six dollars, it better be hot. But but then you, but then you, you know, for real, though, you pull back and you're like, yeah, this is ridiculous. These people are. Yeah. Exactly. And and I just wanted to highlight here before we before we wrap this thing up, guys, for the day, just, um, you know, obviously people still suffering after, you know, their houses and their communities got flattened by these record breaking mm-hmm. uh, tornadoes and Operation Blessing uh, from CBN, which is our arm or our fast response disaster relief arm that does so much good work in so many different parts of the world. Uh, they're on the scene in Kentucky, and they've been coordinating efforts uh, that there in Bowling Green and working with church partners. They're delivering food and water and other necessities. Awesome. And, of course, Operation Blessing always brings the gospel with them and the love of Christ with them, and they're very clear about that. So that's always um, a really good thing as well. And so um, they had a disaster relief supply drop at New Life uh, where the pastors were thankful to receive... Um, the the the, the uh, supplies, which include non-perishable food, um, Home Depot buckets, a whole bunch of other things you wouldn't think of that you need, but um, they're taking that material and they're going around the community and handing that out already. So if you want to give and you want to help and you can't be there, go to Operation Blessing, ob.org, and um, go ahead and, and donate there and help those efforts our team's on the ground. So it's always good to, this is this, these are the moments that we should be living for guys, not trying to own somebody on Twitter um, is when we can leap into action and help, help fellow uh, humans that are in need. Mm. Good word. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, uh, that is all the time we have for today. It is good to be back. It's just fantastic to be back. I definitely didn't want to be off the rest of the week. Just like chilling. <laughs> it's good to be back working and, dive into the news half kidding half kidding it actually is good to be back so that is all the time we have for today though and we'll be back tomorrow once again with more news from a christian perspective head on over to cbnnews.com faithwire.com for more god bless we'll see you back here tomorrow